Welcome to Eter. Keep your dice rolling, your friends close, your monsters closer, and don't let the old gods bite. to an Elder Stream Games production of the Eterna Podcast. This podcast is made possible by our patrons. From the LCP D&D podcast, we have Tim Demuse, Wesley Sullivan, and Brian Bridges. From our sister podcast, Dustress, as well as the Hex Grid Heroes Network, we have Don Bewley. And also from Dustress, as well as Action Forge, we have Brian Wraith. Please stay tuned after the story to hear about the great projects these guys are working on. And thank you so much for supporting us. Hello and welcome to this very special episode. A Taraxis Tale, part one of two. Following the past of Adira, we have some special guests this time. Metzger or Kim from Beholder's Eye. Tim Demuse and Brian Bridges of LCP D&D. And Johnny, or Daddy Oak, from Pokemon Seijiao. We would like to thank these wonderful guests for coming to help us produce this very special Taraxis tale. You can find links in the descriptions to their social media and other projects. Thank you for listening. My name is Brian, and my friend's name is Tim. We come from LCP with a car full of gin. And I'm the editor. <laughs> I'm the editor and the music producer of LCP D&D, the podcast that's set in the Wild West with vampires, orcs, and magic and original music. Okay. Hey, Daddy, tell us about you and them Pokemon. Uh, my name is Johnny. I'm GM of uh, Pokemon Seichao. We're a Pokemon tabletop role-playing D&D 5e podcast and um yeah i don't really have much to say about it it's you know speaks for itself pokemon usually do yeah with their name here's an important question about your pokemon yes when are we going to get chespin um so I'm basically focusing on first gen and kanto but there are other gens that we are putting in um, but Chespin's kind of a far away region, so I don't know. Uh, I, I'm always looking to put things in and keep things exciting, so you, you really never know. I only ask because I have a Chespin collection of plushies. Yeah, I think you sent me a picture of, um, <laughs> of it. So yeah, um, I will definitely, um, work on that. <laughs> Metz. Hello, I'm Metz Girl uh, Kim. You can find me normally over on Beholder's Eye playing the Wood Elf Zolara, or currently I'm on LCP with those boys uh, playing my Tiefling Alivari. And I also have Service Desk Podcast, which is not at all a fun play game kind of thing. It's just a tech podcast in which we attempt to explain the technologies of the world to the not-so-technically-savvy. Um, yeah, that's everything, I think. I'm going to need a link to that, please. <laughs> 
Absolutely. I have buttons now, too. I just got those today. I, I could turn my computer on. Hey, um, good job. <laughs> Tim. Hi, I'm, I'm Tim. Um, I'm the one that brought the gin that Brian was talking about. Um, <laughs> mostly, uh, I'm a ringleader. And uh, yeah, LCP, D&D. And also, you know, and lots of other things. It, and you guys might remember that I was uh, the not so great uh, host, Troy McClure, for the Q and A session. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we we're, we need Troy back uh, because after the uh, last uh, episode of of the Prelude released and everything, we're gonna have more shit you can talk about. Yeah, I'm more than happy to come back and do that again. That was fun. And involved no preparation on my half behalf whatsoever. Right? So that's even better. I promise we won't let we, we won't let any of the uh, questions about dick size make it through the filters this time. So uh, I'll go ahead and I'll start with the um with a bit of narration and then lead into a scene between uh Tim and Metz. Uh Okay. So I have to, I, I'm going to try a thing and hopefully I can actually get through this entire episode doing it. Hello, I would like to share with you a story, a tragic tale of love lost and lives ruined. It is a cautionary tale about how even the best of people can be driven to evil acts by desperation and a broken heart. It is a tale of a queen who tried to have everything to hold on to it beyond all hope, and lost herself in the process. The story begins in the ancient lands of Helios, in the Priushep complex. For the past two decades, King Abimelech had sat on the throne, but in all that time his wife, Deborah, had failed to produce an heir. So it was with great excitement that Abimelech paced the floors that night, the midwives attending to Deborah in the birthing chamber waiting for his son to be born. But when the nursemaid emerged from the room, she held in her arms not a son, but a little girl. Abimelech named her Adira, meaning strong, powerful, and noble, and handed her back to the nursemaid. Surely now that Deborah had successfully borne him one child, a son would follow in due time. For the first five years of her life, Adira had a typical childhood for a princess. The palace hired a nanny and nursemaid to see to her daily well-being, and Deborah spent as much time with her daughter as possible. Her father, though, had little use for her, and almost never saw the child. But after five long years and no more children being born to him and his wife, he began to worry that Adira would be his only heir. Dear, I know that you're expecting me to have more children, but it doesn't seem likely at this point. You have been applying the poultices as the midwife has instructed? Yes, and I've been drinking the potions that the others have given me. And I've been doing my daily exercises, but nothing seems to be working. This is troubling, to say the least. 
Well, there's nothing to say that a woman can't rule. Aside from tradition. I come from a family that made their way by taking tree sap and changing it into the most sought after thing. And all of the temples use my family's developments to worship the gods. Now, if we hadn't done that and broken the tradition of being in the jungles, where would our society be now? This is not untrue, but it is important to consider how the rest of the nobles will look at such a decision. We will appear weak. Weak? Because our daughter is stronger than their boys? She's already lost much time. She's five. We have plenty of time to train her. I was holding a sword at three years old. (laughs) You haven't seen her playing recently, have you? I've been giving her swords and bows and arrows since she was three. You just don't pay attention. There are many things that must be done and seen to around here. Do not (laughs) presume that it is flippant or some sort of that I'm just finding merrymaking or something of those of that nature. This is this is a hard decision. This is something that I must I must contemplate further. Absolutely. And you are the smartest man and the most able to rule. And you've produced a daughter who I'm sure will fill your shoes magnificently. What would we do should her future husband decide that it is now his kingdom instead of hers? We train her to be able to get rid of him, if that's the case. The entire thing just makes me nervous and uneasy. Oh, honey, you've been nervous and uneasy most of our married life. Do you remember the first night? You barely knew how to touch me. It was adorable. True. There is much room for growth once getting upon the throne. You have convinced me, Deborah. I will issue the edict. But we must be ready for consequences. And also be ready for the other boys to treat her as less than. Then we shall train her to be stronger. We shall. But this does not mean that we are not, or that we are giving up on finding and conceiving a true heir. Are we in agreement? Very well. I don't mind trying. And he'll uh, bow very deeply to his wife before uh, he goes and finds a scribe to start writing down and issuing the edict. So the decision was made. 
Adira was subjected to rigorous studies. From age five until she was twelve, her life consisted of nothing but etiquette, history, strategy, and combat training. She was given the life and education traditionally reserved for the firstborn sons on top of the learning required for a noble-born daughter. Any pretense of free time was just that, a pretense filled with endless duties and obligations. Adira hated it, but she bore it without complaint. Many times a noble at court would comment to King Abimelech how blessed he was to have such a loyal and dutiful daughter. And as it was the only aspect of her that her father seemed to praise, she worked hard to maintain it. Every year, at the Priuship Complex, a presentation ceremony was held where the high-ranking families would bring in those sons and daughters who had reached the age of 14 to present them to the king. And the children would bow low, swearing their loyalty and allegiance to him and to country. So it was that her twelfth year she sat upon the small throne at her father's right hand, and watched as one by one the families came forward with their children. It seems that everyone knew the whole ceremony was a ruse. They attended and bolstered the king's ego, but their real hope was to find suitable matches for their children. Adira was always bored with these kinds of events, but did her best not to show it. She sat at her father's side and acknowledged each of the poor, nervous souls that were dragged in front of them. But one particular boy caught her attention, and soon, everything would change. Malachi was the second son of one of the most important nobles in the city. His family didn't put much stock into him, as he was gentle and soft-spoken. He had little patience for the frivolities of the nobles that they held so important. Another family approaches. A man of the court uh, steps forward and says, The artisans of the palace carpets, Teravan and his son Malachi. Uh, at which point, um, the man steps aside, allowing the family to approach. So Malachi, he steps up and he, he bows before the king and also lowers his head. I pledge my love and allegiance to my king and country. And then he'll turn over to Adira and do the same and say, I pledge my love and allegiance to my queen and country. Don't put the cart before the horse, young man. She is only your princess. I I'm sorry, I mean, I mean no disrespect. There's much mumbling amongst the court as uh, as Malachi's father uh, quickly pulls him away. Uh, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, my king. I, he's just a boy and... Uh, no offense was that. given and he'll wave his hand. Thank you. Thank you, my lord. And uh, he will he will step away, dragging the child. Devora would definitely be mouth agape at this, knowing that that is not how things go, and would probably turn, I don't know, does she have any, like, friends that would be around? Like, any ladies-in-waiting or anything like that? I'm sure she would. She would certainly have handmaidens that were, uh, 
that stayed around with her, and I'm sure that they were quite close. So she's going to be off to the side, and she's going to turn to one of her handmaids. That one is going to be trouble, I'm afraid. We should keep our eyes open. Yes, my lady. Uh, Do you want me to have the guards follow him? Alert all the guards. I don't know that he needs to be followed just yet. She would give you a short bow and and turn to uh, to head towards the nearest guard, uh, but subtly, not not rushing away. Of course, my ladies know better. Of course. I think Adira, being very well trained, she's just kind of gonna look over to her father, wide eyed, kind of like, you know, I'm. This wasn't covered in training. What the hell am I supposed to do? <laughs> He'll whisper over to you and say, Adira, stand. We must address everyone. She'll nod her head and, of course, she's going to wait for him to rise before she leaves her chair. Priyushep, I have been your king for almost as long as I can remember. But one day, I will join the dust. And my daughter, Adira, will rule over each of you. And I know that you may have lofty illusions in your head, lofty goals, dreams of grandeur. But... You must remember that this girl will be your queen. She will rule Priyushep, and she will bring us to a new age of prosperity. And he'll sit back down. The crowd in court will will all hail to the king and the future queen. I think a deer will lean over and be like, Father, please, please tell me that before you leave me, you'll, you'll help find some good advisors for me. We will talk about that later. For now, yes, say something to your subjects. Yes, sir. I know many of you are probably nervous about the ideal of having a queen. But I promise you, my father has not raised me to be weak, to cry. You will see no such things from me. He has made sure that I have been taught everything and am continued to be taught everything I could possibly need. And I will do his memory a great honor because I will not let this man down. Not here, not in the life to come. The court bows, save for the guards who continue doing their jobs as they're meant to. And then, as with prior to this uh, interruption caused by the young boy, the procession of families continues. When the lengthy line of families had finally finished with their presentations and the ball began, Adira walked out to mingle with the people 
waiting for her father to slip away with some of the men, and then set out to find Malachi. So yeah, Adira will walk out onto the balcony, get some air, um, which at this point she's kind of like thought maybe his father's done drug him out of the palace or whatnot. Um, and this is where she finds him on the balcony that overlooks the stables, right? Yes. So yeah, she just strolls on out there and walks up beside him and kind of leans over the balcony and she's like, they're pretty, aren't they? Um, Malachi is going to be formal and bow down and bow his head. He uh, greets her. Uh, Princess Adira. To what do I owe the uh, honor? Stuffy in there. Too many people. You like the horses? Oh yes, they're very beautiful. This is just the the general stock for the army. Oh, well, you know. I find beauty in most things. You want to see a real horse? Oh, yes. I would love to see a real horse. Come on, follow me. You have to be quiet, though. Don't wake the stable master. Okay, tippy is okay. And she's going to lead you <laughs> down into the stables. <laughs> and, bring, and bring him out to where the uh, king's prize stock is at. Okay, and we're out in front of the horses right now? Yeah, sure. These are daddy's horses. Oh my. These are the most beautiful horses I've ever seen in all my years. Even though I'm very young. <laughs> this one over here, this this is his stallion. Um, bloodline is impeccable, of course. And then the rest of them are the breeding mares. Oh. Very nice horses. Very nice. You ride? Um, I, I don't really have time to ever ride, but I, I've always wanted to ride. I don't get to. Well, uh, what's stopping us from riding the horses right now? Because I can't leave the complex. Mm. Are, are there like guards watching us or anything like that? There would be one or two by the uh, by the gate where you would leave with the horses. Okay, well, I guess he'll just reply with, um, "Maybe one day we can we can ride the horses together." That would be fun. I think anything that let me go out would be fun. You know, I've never even been down the steps all the way to the market or anything. Well, one day we. We'll have to take that journey together. Does your family come to court a lot? Yes, um, they, we, we have to go to the courts quite often, but it's, it's not, I won't complain as long as I get to see you. Well, I'm always here. You probably have to look for me in the library, buried under a bunch of scrolls, but... I don't know what to say to that. They don't make you study. Um, you know, not not like you, not not as much studying that you have to do. I have it a lot easier. Hmm. Well, I guess you have to know a lot to rule a kingdom. Well, I'm sure you're going to be a great queen. 
you know how to use a scimitar. Oh yes, yes. I uh, I like to fiddle and practice, um, but fun. I I mess around with it. Come tomorrow before lunch. You can spar with me. Oh, okay. I won't. I won't uh, turn down that honor. I should go back inside before Daddy realizes I'm missing. Yes, my queen. Um, have a good night. Oh, don't let him hear you call me that. Oh, just just a nickname between me and you. Yes. Okay. And she'll turn around and just walk back off. <laughs> Malachi kind of just like smiles and he's pretty smitten by her. And he's probably going to walk back to his, his home very happy. Adira's life changed forever after that. Malachi's family was often at court and whenever present, Adira spent every moment she could with him. He was not just her closest friend, but her only true friend. Abimelech paid no heed to his daughter beyond checking up on her studies, so the new friendship never caught his attention. Deborah saw how close the two had grown, and did her best to make sure his family was invited to court as much as possible. She wanted her daughter to know some sense of normalcy, and knew she could need a friend when she would one day become queen. With Malachi's presence, Adira found herself to be much happier. She still had her endless studies and training, but Deborah let her slip out of other obligations whenever possible and made it feasible for her to spend time with her friend. Things went on this way for almost two years, when just before Adira's 14th birthday, her mother once again gave birth. Deborah finally had a son, Abner, which everyone thought would please King Abimelech. So I think that at this point, uh, the king is probably just pacing in the uh, the empty throne room. And uh, like he's cleared out all of the guards, everyone. Like he just wants to be alone. And uh, he's probably mostly just talking to the throne and the heir. This is, this is no good. This is, mm, oh, I just, there's, mm, a son is all I've ever wanted, but I just, it's too late. There is, there is no one to protect and to advise a boy king and, there's always the potential that Adira would feel slighted. I just, there is, it is, it is too late at this point. I, I believe there is nothing to be done other than to let fate play its course, but it has become imperative that we keep the bloodline in this family. Yes, we must find a cousin or something, someone who carries the same blood in their veins that we do. We must do everything that we can to bolster the claim of Adira's children. The nobles must already be plotting, or perhaps they think that I will change my edict. 
Perhaps I should change my edict. A son would have a stronger claim and the nobles would be happier knowing that they'll have blustering testosterone upon the throne. But Adira is special. She's taken to this better than I could have ever imagined. And yet, I still catch her staring off at the horses. I wonder if she longs to be free. Or maybe she just finds some sort of kinship in seeing a large plot of land surrounded by a fence, giving the illusion of freedom. Being a ruler is not an easy task and not one that I appointed to her lightly. No, she has fate, the gods. They have decided that this is how it shall go and so it shall be. And he'll kind of collapse into his throne, um, exhausted. With his thoughts swirling in his head, Abimelech rested that night, and then more time would find itself passing. Adira adored her little brother. She held baby Abner more often than either of her parents did. And as he grew, often took him along on whatever adventure her and Malachi were having. So um, I picture this, um, Malachi and Adira are in a grassy kind of wooded area and they let um, Abner tag along and he's super excited to be with him. So he's gonna say, um, Hey Malachi. Malachi. Yes, Abnor, what, what is it? Did, yesterday, Dear and I made mud cakes. Oh, mud cakes, that sounds fun. They were really good mud cakes, huh, Dira? Yes, sweetheart, they, they were delicious. But you can't really eat them, you just have to pretend. I, I was going to ask, did you guys really eat them? Because you guys were very convincing the way you said it. I wanted to, but Dear said no. Hey, guess what? <laughs> I can run really fast. You want to see me run to that tree? You can't beat me. Let's go. Let's go for a race. Wait, wait. You have to count three, okay? The three, okay. Hey, you count. Okay. One, two, and then as he says two, he's going to say three, but he's going to take it off before Abnor. <laughs> <laughs> Eat my dust. We're not supposed to eat dust. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
<laughs> Y'all don't even know. Sean's been laughing like this the whole time. He's just been muted. <laughs> so do you let this kid win or do you absolutely slaughter him? I destroy him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm really tired. But sometimes I can run really faster. Don't worry, don't worry, Abner. You still have some growing to do. You'll be in charge of the army one day, and won't anybody dare beat you in a race. I'm going to grow as tall as Maokai. I think so. I, I, I'm sure you'll be quite tall, dear. I'll be probably as tall as you, Dira. Oh, you'll, you'll be taller than me. I'm just a girl. I'm hung kind of hungry a little bit. Let's, let's make some mud pies. But you can't eat mud pies. What, have you ever tried? Well, Don't encourage some... him. <laughs> Dare, can we eat mud pies? No, we're not going to eat mud pies. I give you permission. Go ahead and make a mud pie. Go ahead let's go to the story. kitchen and get some honey cakes. <gasps> okay. And he's going to take off towards the palace. Eat my dust! Abner had a much easier childhood than Adira. As he was not expected to ever take the throne, he was instead schooled to eventually become Adira's military commander. But even that was in name only. Their father paid far less attention to Abner than to Adira, and the boy grew up closer to his sister and Malachi than to either of his parents. Adira began to feel torn much of the time. Her love for her country and her people demanded so much from her, she often felt like she was neglecting Malachi and Abner. But when she was with them, she worried she wasn't doing her best for her people. It was an internal struggle that would plague her for most of her life. Shortly after Adira's 16th birthday, King Abimelech called her to attend to him in his private office, something that was almost never done. Uh, she will knock on the door of his study. Enter. You asked to see me, father. I did. Yes. I have found your betrothed. You've what? Listen closely, girl. I do not have much time left. And it is imperative that you heed every command moving forward. I have found the man you will marry. Exactly who do you expect me to marry? A distant cousin named Hiram. You will produce heirs strong in our bloodline with strong claims to the throne. Uh, no. What did you just say to me, girl? I said no. That is not how this works. You have a duty. I have a duty to protect my people and my country. You have a duty 
to protect this throne. Should any weakness be seen in your frivolity with this Malachi, this carpet maker, you will be deposed and I will not be here to protect you. I don't need protection. Your head will be in a basket. Good luck to the son of a bitch who tries. I told your mother that girls were too emotional for such a role, for duty such as this. I was not in love with your mother. I was told that I must marry her for alliances. I too once knew a young lady who I had feelings for. You will develop feelings for Hiram. Hey, it is not my fault if you bent over and kissed your Silence, father's ass. girl. That is quite enough. You are going to do as you are told. No. See, you made sure I was raised to know that men didn't get to tell me what to do. That includes you. That does not include me. Where would you get such a preposterous idea? You just told me you're gonna die. Am I supposed to listen to a dead man? Do you not understand that your brother's claim to the throne is stronger than your own? Do you not understand that nobody in their right mind is gonna put little Abner on the throne? Get out of He's my- He's still place. eating mud pies. Remove yourself from my presence this instant. Just turn around and walk out and slam the door. He'll open it up and say, and you will respect my building, this roof that I have put over your head. And then he'll slam the door himself. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to think that the door was absolutely fine when she slammed it, but when he slams it, something like breaks. There's a vase on on the wall next to the door that falls off. <laughs> Over the next few days, things only deteriorated. Adira swore to take her own life and forced into the marriage. Abimelech had put round-the-clock guards on her to ensure that she couldn't. Malachi's family was sent home from court, and Abner was kept from her. She in turn refused to meet with her tutors. Every day was met with new threats and counter-threats. Life in the palace was spiraling out of control, and no one was brave enough to choose sides. I imagine I'm locked away in my room with the guards around me. But I am able to enter. Now, dear, I know that this seems out of the blue. But your father's been working for a very long time to try to set up this marriage. Well, maybe he should have asked me about it first. I wasn't asked. I've come to love your father after a sort. Are you sure that you can't come to love Hiram? It's not about an ability to learn to love somebody. It's about the fact that I already love somebody. Oh, dear. Malachi. He's, ta he's talking about he's going to die and he's going to be gone and then you're going to be gone and I'm going to be left alone in this world and you want me to stay with this stranger that I don't even know 
who may have his own designs on my throne? <sighs> I should have known. You... I thought it was wise to have a friend at court. I should have realized you would have fallen in love. Of course. You've met Hiram. He's been here. Um... What, three or four years ago? He came for for one of the festivals. And then... Uh, maybe two years before that, he'd been here. So, it's not that you don't know him. I know his name. Might be able to pick him out of a crowd. Don't know anything about him. Well, that's... I know who Malachi is. Well... That's true enough. What is it about Malachi that you are so in love with? He's not like the other nobles. He he sees the frivolity, the wastefulness, the ridiculousness of, of a lot of the ritualistic behaviors. He's not afraid to tell me the truth about things. Hmm. He doesn't see a conflict between me being a mother and a queen. I see. And do you trust him to be... to not interfere, to allow you to rule the kingdom or queendom? He has no interest in ruling. He he just knows what it's like when I'm standing there trying to decide whether I have time to take Abner out to make mud pies or whether I have to be over here for this function. And he watches me struggle with all of it. And he doesn't he doesn't judge. He doesn't condemn. He he's just there. He listens. Mm. Well, if, this is a big if, if I can convince your father, would you stop this ridiculous fight? I don't see why we would be fighting if you could convince him. Otherwise, he doesn't speak to me about anything else. We can't have things like this in the castle. We just can't. I will go speak to your father, and... I will attempt to explain the situation, maybe in a way he'll understand. Well, perhaps you should bar a shield from one of the guards to keep between you and him. I have no need of such shields, but thank you. And with that, uh, uh, Deborah will leave the bedroom. And with her daughter's interests at heart, Deborah steps in on her behalf, going to seek out King Abimelech. So, uh, Deborah is going to enter. Um, would the king be in his throne room, probably? Uh, fairly likely during the day, or if you would rather it be in the evening, he would likely be in his chambers. Let's have it be in the 
evening. Hopefully when he's more relaxed. After a couple glasses, I'm hoping. Maybe. Devorah would come into his chambers with like a tray of his favorite whatever kind of food he is really enjoying. Whether it's, you know, dates and figs or Turkish delight or whatever. And just have like a big plate of that and like a bottle of his favorite mead or whiskey or whatever we happen to have in this kingdom. Ah, my dear wife. To what do I owe the pleasure? Oh, these last few days, they've just been so stressful on all of us. I've, I've come to hopefully help heal things a little bit. That girl takes too much after her father. I think it's just the right amount. And I will set down the tray and the drink, pour him a glass, and then get behind him. I'm a, are you in a chair or in a bed, or what are you going to be doing? I'll probably be in a chair. Maybe staring out the window. Okay. So, I would circle around behind however I could, and then be, um, like, do that, uh, the shoulder rub thing, like, oh, honey. Oh, you're so tense. This, this has got to end. You and I both know that no matter what I decree or what perhaps you may decree after I am gone, Abner still has a, he has a claim. Abner is not going to take it, and you know that. It's going to be Adira. And she is going to need all the help she can get. She doesn't know her cousin, dear. I don't know her cousin. Do you? We did not know each other either. <laughs> That's true enough. This is how things are done. She's going to be the first queen. Do we have to keep doing them this way? My love. I don't know. Do you think that it brings me joy to put pain upon our daughter? No, I know you mean to do only what is necessary. And I know that you have her interest in heart, but this this boy, this Malachi, you, the first time she met him, he was swearing loyalty. We know him, we know his parents, we know his entire childhood, if you really wanted to go dig in. He's a carpet maker. My family makes incense. That's different. Why? 
don't know. Sometimes I feel as though I'm a caged bird. And all of these nobles are standing around, pointing and joyful. Do you understand? Yes, I feel that too. I know I came from the nobles, but... Being in this position, it's so difficult. You have been a fantastic ruler. You've kept your head in every situation. You have done what is best, regardless of the consequences, to yourself. Deborah, how many usurpers have I had executed in my decades upon the throne? At least five? Oh, there was seven, dear. You remember that one little red-headed one? And I... Yes. Yes, he was... He's a sly little fox. I cannot believe how long we let him stay in this castle before we figured it out. I thought you had the worst illness ever. He was poisoning your food the entire time. <sighs> and my claim was strong. Adira's is tenuous at best. And should she marry Malachi, her heir will be even less so. But Malachi... I'm thinking of the future, and she's thinking of now. But she needs somebody she can trust, dear. She doesn't trust her cousin. How do you know we can trust him? I don't. Malachi. But I don't know that we can trust Malachi either. We know him. We've seen him. Every day, almost. He's so good, especially with little Avner. I think... What do you propose that I do, then? Do I back off of my edict? Do I call my cousin? And let him know that his son will not be king? You could issue assassins. Have him killed. And then declare that Malachi has somehow earned your favor? We must... Should I agree to something like this, to such subterfuge? Malachi must do something real and presentable. Do you have any thoughts? He 
could save Abner. We can pose... I don't know. He'll be... walking along a balcony rail. And Malachi could be there to catch him. Or... perhaps fend, uh, defend him from attacking wolves. Or something of that nature. I know Malachi... It troubles me to put Abner into... Danger. He won't be in real danger. Malachi looks after Abner like he was his own brother. And if necessary, I can be close enough by to be able to turn the situation as necessary. My dear. Yes. Please send me Artemis. I must beseech his counsel and send him to my cousin's home. Absolutely. You take care of Abner and Malachi. Adira must know none of this. As you wish, my king. And then she will lean in and give you a giant kiss and then gleefully, like, prance out of the room. (laughs) Deborah! Deborah. Yes, my king. Should she defy me again, I will banish her. Okay. Good night, my love. Good night. Thank you. I needed... I'm glad you've decided to ease the tensions in our household. This was done for you and only you. Adira should not be given every little thing that she whines and clamors for. Oh, she hardly has. And her life as ruler will not be as such. Don't think I don't know that you have been letting her slip out from her training and studies to spend time with Malachi. And I have allowed this because children must have time for themselves. But she is not a child anymore. And duty must come first. This is true enough. So let this be her last bit of frivolity as a child. Very well. I will be harder on her than I've ever been before. And he'll bow deeply to you before you leave. Aww. (laughs) So with King Abimelech finally relenting, Malachi's family was called back to court, and marriage negotiations proceeded shortly thereafter when Hiram was found, unfortunately, dead at the hands of an accident. And young Malachi, well, he and Abner, while Adira was off studying, ran into problems of their own. Once while out near the horses, a strange sound was heard to Malachi and Abner. The horses scattered and spread apart. And before too long, the ground began to breach. A tiny, 
but no less threatening creature. A baby boule. A land shark, though only a baby, was encroaching upon the two, acting aggressively. <gasps> okay. I saw something. I saw something. Do I see it yet? Uh, yes, you would be able to turn and see it quite easily. It's probably about the size of a of a a, a dog, probably like a medium to large dog. Uh, very stocky and bulky, with a very large mouth full of sharp teeth. Busts through the ground uh, with great ease to uh, run forward on its stubby little legs. That guy's over there. Does Malachi know anything about this creature? Um, they're a moderately common issue um, out in the desert in general. Um, it's very, very rare, like insanely rare for them to appear uh, in the city because of all the, you know, all the walking and seismic activity and whatnot. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're they're land sharks, basically. Okay, and what's the name for it again? Uh, the official pronunciation is Boule. Boule. I like to call them Bulets. Bob Boule. Ebner's letting out some shrill screams as he's clinging ferociously and surprisingly strong to uh, to Malachi's leg, which is not exactly what you want in a fight. I'm, I'm going to remove him from my leg and like smack him in the face. Get yourself together. <laughs> I start crying. <laughs> I'm going to try and grab his leg again. And I'm just going to kick him off. You know I'm four, right? <laughs> if you're not going to help me fight, get behind me. Let me handle it. And I'll grab my scimitar. Well, I got two. I'm dual wielding scimitars. So you draw your scimitars. And uh, the thing runs towards you uh, violently. Uh, but you're ready for it and swing down into it. And it being no more than a pup is relatively weak. Uh, it's a short, though exhausting fight. Uh, but by some level of luck, uh, you don't get injured. Deborah, you watch nearby from the shadows with the monster trainer uh, whom you purchased the beast and his services from. That is perfect. Thank you so much. I trust, and I will put like a handful of coins on in his hand. I trust this will cover for your loss. Yes, my queen. This and what you gave me before will be plenty. And I'm glad to see that my training was quite good. It didn't try very hard. Yes, and Malachi is quite strong. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, my queen. And not a word of this to anyone. Absolutely not. I shall take this to my grave. I trust you will. And what he doesn't know is that I've laced the, the gold that I gave him <clears throat> with a kind of poison that... If you hold on to it for more than like three minutes, it will it like slowly just seep into your skin and kill you. 
So with his loyalty proven to the crown, Malachi was now endeared to the king. And shortly thereafter, it was decided that he would become Adira's husband. They were married the next year, and for 11 years, the two of them would have a relatively normal life. They had a child shortly after Adira's 20th birthday, Amek. Basha followed two years later, and Dekel three years after that. Malachi was an extremely loving husband and father, and Adira cherished her family. Abner was a constant presence as well, and being that he was only six years older than Amik, was more like one of their own children than a brother. But happiness was not all to last, for it would not be too long before Deborah would lie on her deathbed. An illness that had been eating away at her since she gave birth to Abner finally took its toll. So how long has she been sick at this point? Uh, eight years. All right. So, uh, we're going to start with, uh, with me bringing in a new doctor. And, uh, he's going to go over to the other doctor, um, with some guards. And, uh, he's going to say, Your head will be put on a spike. My wife was to be cured. And she only worsens. So I have sent for a new doctor. And he looks at the new doctor and says, and you will be successful or you will join your predecessor. <clears throat> the new doctor, obviously uh, fearful, bows while the other protests uh, while being dragged away. No, no, my lord, please, please have mercy as he's dragged out the door. Mercy will is, be that you die with one stroke of the blade. Is... is that you, my love? Uh, uh, it is. Uh, you came. Of course. What... what can I do for you? Can you... kiss me? Like you used to? I remember... The summer before Adira, and she just kind of drifts off. Do something! Do something now! And he'll start shaking the new doctor, and uh, you know, basically bringing it, like, basically making sure that he can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 doc the doctor, uh, fearful of his position. Uh, after a moment of you shaking him, we'll 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 find way to part with you uh, without uh, angering you or the guards uh, before uh, tending to your wife. She still breathes, though it is shallow. The doctor <sighs> spends what time he can all the medicine, but the condition does not improve. It is with great fear uh, and a very solid sort of acceptance of what is to come that he would inform Abimelech that it is likely she will not live another day. This is unacceptable. Surely something can be done. 
I'm sorry, my lord. I have nothing that my medicine can do, and the magics that we have are not strong enough for this. She's at death's door already, and with your decree, I suppose I am prepared to be as well. My love. Gods, take him away! My love. Fetch the priest! Fetch you. Fetch anyone that you can find! Uh, with great commotion, the doctor is led away, though he much quieter and uh, great with greater stoicism. It is it is moments before a a priest of ash is brought before uh, you. Uh, he being uh, the one to have uh, blessed both of your children uh, upon their births as well as your grandchildren. You are to prepare Deborah's final rites and guarantee her passage into the afterlife. Of course, my lord. I will prepare immediately. I shall return in a mere minutes, and he will turn and and go to gather what is needed. Returning shortly thereafter, he comes dressed in ceremonial garb, with scrolls and ink and uh, several items of ceremony, so to speak. He performs her rites, writing down her name and uh, the other um, necessary scribings uh, for her... uh, it's kind of like a Book of the Dead thing that they do, uh, which is actually meant to be sent to another uh, type of priest. But he he gives her uh, a drink of the waters of the oasis drawn directly from the buried oasis. Though it does not heal her, Uh, It does bring her some comfort. All in all, about an hour later, the rites are complete, and the Priest of Ash uh, approaches Abimelech. My lord, my rites are done. I shall go to the courts of the dead and bring their priests. So be it. He bows to you. He's going to uh, grab the nearest guard and he's going to tell him, Fetch my hand. We must begin preparations. Atira? The memorial will be... Yes, my love, yes. Atira. Where? She's run off again, honey. Where? Where's Atira? Fetch Adira first, then bring me my hand. The guard uh, clanks his spear against the ground and turns and hustles away. And move quickly! You hear his pace pick up uh, in the hall and him shout to another guard. It is at this time, Adira, that you are approached by a winded guard who speaks quickly to you. 
The king requests your presence. Immediately. What's going on? Your mother is not well. Alright. Abner? Huh? We have to go see Mama. But I'm right in the middle of my marbles. I'll buy you more marbles. Just come on. <sighs> and I shall take him by the hand. And the guard attempts through his own motion to beckon you to hasten uh, back to the hall. Your hand will arrive first, having ran with the same speed as the guard uh, sent to get him. Uh, not the guard that you sent out initially, but the one that he spoke to. Siric, we must begin the preparations for the memorial immediately. All will spend the next fortnight in mourning. Issue my edict. Of course, my king. Do you have anything else you wish me to edict? No, but send in servants with more wine. Very well. He will... Siric is very no-nonsense and to the point. He will turn, leave. It will be mere minutes before uh, several large pitchers of wine are brought. The edict surely being made at the very moment when Adira and Abner will arrive to the room. Adira. <sighs> Adira will run over to the bed, kneel down beside her and be like, it's okay, Mama. I'm here. Oh, I brought Abner with me. Oh, Adira, you came back. I thought you'd run away again. Abner. Oh, honey. You're so big. I'm going to grow as tall as Dira sometime. I am sure you will. I'm going to grow really big. I'm going to go shoot really as big as a tree, maybe. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> oh. Oh, Abner. Me. I hope you always make Adira laugh. Like you make me laugh. Oh, he makes me laugh a lot. Except when he starts sparring with me and then I get really scared, Mama. He's so strong. He's so good with his sword. I'm getting really good with my sword. Look at well, I And he starts flexing for the queen. <laughs> oh. Dara says I'm really strong. Yes. Yes, my son, you are. You will be very good with the military. Adira. And as handsome as his father, don't you think? <laughs> Adira. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Always. Adira. What, sweetheart? <coughs> why, why are you crying? Because Mama has to go away for a little while. <coughs> Where is she going? Um, she's going on a trip to see her parents. Like the pigeon? Yeah, like the pigeon. We won't get to see her for a really long time? 
No, we won't get to see her, but she'll still be able to see us. Don't worry, okay? Are you just sad? Yeah, I'm just sad. I'm going to miss her. Um, do you want to play stickball later? We can play later. Right now, why don't you give Daddy a hug, okay? Look, Daddy's sad too. I don't know if he likes hugs. It'll be fine. Trust me. Really reluctantly goes to his own father and kind of makes an awkward gesture. I think Abimelech will uh, kind of tousle his hair a little bit and uh, continue to down cup after cup of wine. Father, have you had all the mirrors and reflective services covered? Sirik is seeing to it. What do you require of me? Mourn in whatever way seems fitting. I will do that at home, not in front of the people. He'll just take a big gulp of wine and pour himself another glass and just kind of shake his head. Should I have the grandchildren brought before her? I do believe that this would be their last chance to say goodbye to their grandmother. So it would be prudent, yes. She'll uh, look over to one of the guards and tell him to have Malachi bring the babies. Malachi, guards come to collect you and your children. Saying that the king and uh, Adira request your presence in uh, Deborah's chamber. Uh, he'll be helping the kids get ready and such and uh, make his way to the chamber. Right now, I believe you only have two kids, and one of them's two, and the other one's an infant. Oh, that was three. I don't know, because Deckel's three years after Basha. Okay. So that's that's three years off still. Uh, so you go to the chambers where the king is drinking a lot, and your wife and brother-in-law that's more like a son to you are all gathered around the bed of your mother-in-law who is very, very tenuously grasping to life. Um, I guess Malachi would uh, approach uh, near Adira and kind of hold her. Mama, do you see little Amik and Basha are here? Who? The grandbabies, Mama. The grandbabies are here. Oh, you're so much better. Babies. <sighs> Babies are far easier to manage than a kingdom. <laughs> Says you. You. You were my kingdom. You and Abner. Come, let me. Let me hold the baby. I'll take little Basha over to her and because uh, she's the infant and um, set Amik up on the bed beside her. <sighs> she's so little. Oh, what a sweet child. You will grow up strong and beautiful. Oh, 
And like she'll look over at her father and she'll, she'll be like, Daddy, Abner's not going to be the only one to carry your genes, I don't think. Amic looks an awful lot like you as well. He kind of looks at him and says, <clears throat> People keep telling me that, but I do not see it. I think he looks like... Like you. Well, I took after you a little bit. Yes, well... Suppose you did. If everyone is... Finished, I would... Wish to be alone. To say goodbye to my wife. Of course, but... I'm gonna have our stuff brought... Back into the main part of the palace. That would be prudent. I'll be near. I'll be nearby if you need me. Thank you, Adira. That will be all. Abner, give Mama a kiss. Mm-hmm. Not. <laughs> Goodbye, Abner. Lights of my life and she'll just try to lift her hand but I'm assuming she's too weak at this point to really move she she is quite weak uh, she would probably be able to get like the motion like over to the edge but not be able to carry through much further than that she will have tried to lift her hand to like stroke his face but she can't do that so she just kind of like moves it toward him so yeah, Malachi and I will take the little ones out. So the room is left empty. Adira and Malachi heading back to their section of the complex with the children, Abner included. While Abimelech spends his uh, his wife's last moments with her. And he'll sit close and and basically just dote upon her for as long as it takes for her breathing to stop. And once that happens, he is going to set to smashing literally everything in this room, but the bed and, you know, anything that is kind of close to her, just in a blinded, drunken rage. Um, I, I would assume so loud that the guards outside the door can hear it. And he's just, beside himself at this point. Does Deborah have any last words for Abimelech? Mm. As he's doting upon her. Ab. I am glad. I married you. You have been the best obligation I love you And I love you, Deborah for the rest of the days that I walk this earth I will carry you with me. I think that's her last words. 
And so King Abimelech, in his rage at the loss of his wife, destroyed the very room that he was in. But thereafter, things carried on as usual. It was many years later, when Adira was 28 and heavily pregnant with her fourth child, Elkana, when King Abimelech laid on his deathbed. Thank you very much for listening to this first part episode of the Adira Taraxis Tale. Happy Tabletop Day, everybody. Hi, this is Tracy, the voice of Adira. I would like to take a moment to tell you about a new podcast. It's called Dustrous. We have a pre-colonialism Native American, a Old West gambler, and a modern-day teenager from Detroit, dropped off in a brand new world full of magic and absolute chaos. I am the DM. I will try to wrangle them and guide them as they make their journey across this world and maybe learn some new things and right some wrongs. If you like high magic fantasy, this is definitely a world for you. You can find us on Twitter at Dustrous Podcast, and we hope you join us there and in the Discord. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. My name is Don. You can find me do other tabletop RPG podcasts over at HexgridHeroes.com. I'm currently rebooting a Starfinder campaign, and I'm the voice of Pokemon trainer Cory in Pokemon Seichao. Over there, I also sit down with a couple of my friends and we discuss how a horror movie can be used in a haunted house setting. If you'd like to hear me talk more about horror movies, I also do a horror movie review podcast over on the Necropodicon Network. It's right there in the name, How to Survive a Horror Movie, where we talk about movies like Legion, Hush, and Quiet Place, and we talk about how the people in the movie could have survived this better and what would be our perfect sequel. That's all for me for now. You never know I'm going to have another project, so follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Don Bewley. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to this episode. I'm Brian. I run Action Forge, a tabletop RPG YouTube channel where we dive into all sorts of topics. If you want to learn more, head over there and check it out. Also, if you want updates on all my various projects and some awesome tabletop RPG memes, go ahead and check me out over at Twitter where I'm at Action Forge. You go into a mining settlement called Fillmore's Crossing. It's about 30 miles outside of the control zone. Do y'all know what the control zone is? Of course we do. Oh, of course Naturally. I know what the control, control zone is. I mean, control, like, of course we know what the control yeah, zone is. You guys, you zone guys probably the, like the zone. I fucking hate both of you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Some weird stuff's been going on in Fillmore's Crossing. We just got word that three days ago, Elma's wife, she tore the three kids limb from limb and doesn't remember doing it at all. Sounds like it's like the, the Wild West out there. <laughs> LCP D&D is an actual play D&D 5E podcast. Our current adventure is set in the Wild West and features magic, orcs, vampires, and an all-original soundtrack. Listen in by searching for LCP D&D on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, and CastBox. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and even hang out with us in our Discord server, LCP D&D. If you'd like to become a patron, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash eldritchdream. We have a bunch of rewards for Dustress and Aeterna involved. You can also join us in the Hive, that's our Discord, linked in the episode description. 
You can also find links to our Tee Public, where we have tons of designs for various types of merch. Hit us up on Twitter or Discord. We love to hear from everyone and enjoy making new friends. And until next time, everybody, may the Elder Gods haunt your dreams. Stay tuned shortly for a small blooper that I found rather entertaining. But you've met Heimlich before, right? He's He's been here. <laughs> 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 Sean, are you okay? <laughs> we met once. He gave me a great big hug <laughs> from behind. I just I want to know, did you do that on purpose? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, Riley's going to have to work hard Thursday because she just held this trophy. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, Anne. It's not really Heimlich, is it? What is the name? Hiram. Hiram. Damn it, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Let me start over then. Sean. I swear, she's turning into Tim. I didn't do anything. She blames it all on me. (laughs) She just knows the convenient scapegoat when she sees one, that's all. (laughs) Well, he's the one who fed me the name, wasn't he? No! <laughs> well, I obviously wasn't paying any attention to anyone else. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's alright, I'm used to it. <laughs>